Our scripture this morning is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 35, verses 20 through 29. Then all the congregation of the Israelites withdrew from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and brought the Lord's offering to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its services and for the sacred vestments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings, signet rings and pendants, all sorts of gold objects, everyone bringing an offering of gold to the Lord and everyone who possessed blue or purple or crimson yarn or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or fine leather brought them. Everyone who could make an offering of silver or bronze bought it as the Lord's offering. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. All the skillful women spun with their hands and brought what they had spun in blue and purple and crimson yarns and fine linen. All of the women whose hearts moved them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and gems to be set in the ephod and the breastpiece. And spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women whose hearts made them willing to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Now let us pray. God, we thank you for this moment that will never be repeated again. For all things are possible with you. We thank you for this time of worship and for this time of preaching. May our hearts be open to receive your word. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. In the confirmation class, I know I may have some confirmation parents in here. I have about 31 sixth graders every week for an hour. So imagine the amount of energy that is in that room, 31 sixth graders for an hour in a small space. So I'm walking around the confirmation class, and I noticed one of the confirmants had a little post-it note. It was a drawing of an animal, and beneath the drawing was written, Buffalo Soldier. So I asked the confirmant, so what do you know about Buffalo Soldier? And he says, that's Bob Marley. I like Bob Marley. I said, okay, with a great big grin on my face. And I said, I like Bob Marley too. We had a connection there. Then one of the parents who serves with me chimed in and he said, everyone needs a little Bob Marley in their life. 
So here we are inserting just a little bit of Bob Marley in our life through the book of Exodus, which does not mean movement of the people. It actually means going out, but it can be translated from the book of Bob Marley as the movement of the people. See, Exodus is the second book of the Torah, and the Torah is commonly translated as meaning the law. However, it is actually defined as teaching and instruction. So in this passage, we find ourselves in the midst of scripture that is called to teach and instruct humanity on how to respond to God's call. See, Exodus is not a separate independent work that closely follows Genesis. It's a subsection of what was virtually always been understood as a five-part work in the Pentateuch. So when we speak of the structure of Exodus, it's not talking about the beginning of an entirely new work. It's a a beginning of another chapter that holds a bigger picture. So here we are in the midst of transition, where many of the hearts of the Israelite community have been stirred by God to bring a free will offering. It's to be used in the building of the tabernacle. See, biblical worship is always corporate, which means that everyone who is able is involved in this covenant community, and they participate to build the up king, to build the up kingdom, the build. God's kingdom. (laughs) For the upbuilding of God's kingdom. See, what tends to be taught about the Israelite community is that they are obstinate. They always complain when they were in the wilderness. There are stories in the text about their stubbornness and how they wanted food, a certain type of food, how they complained about not having any water. I mean, I've done that. And not having any meat. They even complained that Moses was gone way too long. So they built a golden calf to worship because they needed something to do. See, in the midst of transitioning from slavery to liberation, the Israelites seem to be losing their way. I, too, have often felt that way, particularly when my mother passed away in 2009. I was losing my way. In the midst of the most faithful and grace-filled time in my life, I began to lose my way. But see, also at one point in my life, I, I had time to spend some extra quality, quiet rest reading the books that I love. Books that keep you on the edge of your seat. That's the way that I would respond when I began to lose my mind. See, these books and I have a love-hate relationship. I loved them because of the suspense, but I hated them because I had to wait to see what happened. My impatient side started showing up. 
See, with a podcast, a book, Audible, iPad, and most DVR movies, we can read the first few chapters, listen to the book on two times or more speed, watch the first few minutes of a show, then flip, click, or fast forward to the end to see what happens. I'm guilty of it. Not because I don't like commercials, because I do. It's because I can't wait to see what happens. And the one thing I do not like is after I have taped a show on DVR, this little message shows up and says, the fast forward feature is not available on this show. See, when we are in control, we can choose to ignore the emotional twists and turns by skipping to the end. We don't have to develop relationships with different characters. We don't have to deal with conversations that seem meaningless. We don't have to deal with plots that thicken and surface. And unfortunately, this may be the way some of us want to live our life. With a click, a flip, or fast forward. Receiving only the good pleasures out of life or even fantasizing about the way it used to be. We want only the joy and the passion and the light and the peace. And I admit that I prefer that too, but it is not realistic. See, God promised us an abundant life, but never said it would be perfect. Reality does not dictate a flip, a click, or fast forward. So I started today with the end of the message in mind, with the good stuff. So we can backtrack and see the journey from which the Israelite community came through. See, sometimes we have to start with the end in mind so we can understand and see what God has done in our lives. It's a way for us to acknowledge and appreciate and learn to believe and trust in an almighty, all-powerful God. This story begins several chapters earlier where Moses has led around 6,000 people, not including women and children, out of slavery, where they were mistreated, used, and abused for over 430 years. Sometimes we can't stay on our job for eight hours long enough for something like this to happen. We want it to end quickly, but these people persevered. And up to this point during this journey on several occasions, Moses was on a hiatus praying to the Lord on high on Mount Sinai. His instruction was regarding the new laws to be decreed to these people who wanted to be liberated. They were also called to build a new temple out of slavery. See, as Moses was up on this mountaintop soaking up the glory of the Lord, God's people below were, as my mother liked to say, acting out. I've done it with my four brothers. <laughs> this nation, these people, like many of us, are like my book reading days. We want to get to the end. We want to get to the promised land. We want all of the pleasures. We want the click, the flip, and the fast forward without going through the messiness of life. 
Verse 22 says in the message version that every man and woman in Israel whose heart moved them freely to bring something for the work that God through Moses had commanded them to make it, brought it as a voluntary offering for God. They brought it. See, for the Hebrew people, for the Jewish people, the heart is deeper than any description of an organ that pumps blood through our bodies, keeping us alive. See, the heart for the Jewish community encompasses our entire being. It is the seat of our moral character, our inner man, our inner woman, Our mind, our experiences, our soul, our determination, and our will. It's the seat for our emotions, our compassions, and our courage. And the heart holds our experiences and our memories. After all, Proverbs 4, 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. From it flows the springs of life. Your heart encompasses all of who you are. See, these Israelites, they were experiencing troubles. And they were in the midst of transition. And in this midst, they had a heart condition. When my mother died, I did not realize I had a heart condition. I was mad at God. How can you take away my cheerleader? How could you do that to me when I'm serving you? I've given my life to you. I've done all that you've asked for me. How could you take my mother? But my heart did not become hardened in that struggle because we believe in life with Christ. See, but the Israelites, they had frustrations that they encountered. They were annoyed. They were bittered. They had disease. There was despair. And it led them to rebel against Moses and in essence against God. Moses tried to reason with them over and over again, but it didn't matter. They had a heart condition. No matter what plague God set upon them, it didn't matter. They had a heart condition. When God told them to destroy all those who were acting out and running wild, it didn't help their heart condition. See, sometimes our heart conditions, the hardness of our hearts, the things that have hurt us in the past, the things that continue to keep coming up will not allow us to worship God in an authentic way, nor will it allow us to move forward in Christ. Life can be disappointing sometimes, but this is the week of thanksgiving where we are called to be thankful for one another, to be thankful for all that God has given us, not just to be thankful for the turkey and the mashed potatoes, but to be thankful for family. The flip, click, or fast-forward attitude is not realistic. 
And I admit during this time of my mother's death, I said, I'm a, I'm a good person. <laughs> Why would this happen to me? I, I've served you. I'm a good person. But then I was reminded, Jesus proclaims in Luke 18 that no one is good except God and God alone. This is who God is creating us to be. Those whose hearts are open to not only give, but to receive. See, in this point, through the struggles that the Israelites were going through, through all of the turmoil, through all of the pain, God stirred their hearts in a way to give out of their abundance and not out of their lack. To give out of thanksgiving, and they did it. But if you notice in the scripture, it said, all who were willing. They were the ones who gave. Humanity continues to show up in the scriptures. All who were willing. Not everybody will be willing. And we need to understand that. But when God calls us to do something, when God calls us to open our hearts and to be fully present and we feel that stirring, we go. We do. And we're thankful in the midst of it all. We don't want to enter into what I like to call the great tragedy of impatience. We want everything here and now just the way we like it, just the way We want it. But see, God will stir our hearts to move past that great tragedy of impatience and will bless us in an abundant way. Paul talks about us being called to run a race. But when our heart is at rest and we haven't trained through prayer, Small groups, worship, being in community, we will not be able to run the race that God has called us to run. It will be difficult for us to respond in a way that stirs our hearts to give out of our abundance and not out of our lack. Exodus 34.30 says, The people were afraid of Moses because he was in the mountaintop with Christ, with God, with the Holy Spirit. He was in the mountaintop. And he came back down and he was all aglow. This week, my prayer for each of you is when you come back from being with your families, and from being in community, and from being grace-filled and loved on, that you will be glowing in abundance because God was present. See, our lives are training us. Our lives are training us to be able to tell our story the miracle of all that God is doing in our life. 
to forgive those who have wronged us and forgiving ourselves for maybe we have wronged someone else. We are called to reverence God in our being, in our doing. We need to be like these Israelites in the midst of transition and give and give and give some more. They brought so much to build this tabernacle. They were so involved that Moses had to tell the people, stop bringing stuff. Can you imagine? We receive an email from Robbins, stop bringing stuff. Stop giving. Stop serving. We have enough. God is calling us to go above and beyond. Until we hear those words from Christ, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's when we stop. Those are the words we hear when it's enough. Stir our hearts, God, so that we may give and give and continue to give. Stir our hearts, God, so that we are thankful for all that you are doing in our lives and the life of the church. Stir our hearts, God, so that we can be like the Israelite people and bring and give and make and serve. Stir our hearts, God, so that we can celebrate the miracles and the good news of the gospel. May our hearts be thankful for all that God is doing. And finally, may we understand that God is present. God is with us. And God promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let us be thankful. In the midst of transitioning from one place to another, let us be thankful. In the midst of job changes and transitions and families, let us be thankful. For this time of worship, knowing that God is calling us to go and do. You are loved. Let us be thankful in the promises of an almighty, all-powerful, and all-knowing God. Stir our hearts, Lord, so that when we come to this communion table, we come with reverence and worship and love and forgiveness to receive the communion and the gift of God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this glorious day.
we thank you for stirring our hearts in places we never expected. We honor you for all that you are doing in the life of this church and all that you are doing in our own lives. You are an awesome God. You are a faithful God. You are a grace-filled God. And let us go to this table where all are welcome, knowing that you went to the cross for us, knowing that you are ever-present in our life, and knowing that we are called to be thankful for all things. Your grace is sufficient. Let us be ever-present and authentic in who you called us to be. In the midst of transition, let us go to this table thankful. In Christ's name we do pray.